Ollie Gordon shines as the Cowboys take down the 23rd ranked Jayhawks. Nardo's halftime adjustments, some Big 12 news, Pete's picks and projections, and a preview of the West Virginia game. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee, and it took 350-something days, but the offense finally scored 30 points. It's about time. Thank the Lord. The Cowboys took the win 39-32 over the 23rd-ranked Jayhawks, and I'm not going to lie, in the first half I was a little nervous. We were giving up some big plays uh, the offense kind of seemed to stall there at the end of the half, but they rallied. The defense stepped up, and we got the win. Looking here, uh, Alan Bowman goes 28 of 41 for 336 yards through the air, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, he had a really good day. He was hitting his throws. He was making his reads. It, it all looked good from him. Aside from some backpedaling out of some good pockets, he played a really good game. The real star of the show here, though, was Ollie Gordon. And again, it's about time. He's got 29 carries for 168 yards and a touchdown. He also had six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. And to go along with that, he ended up winning Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, Doak Walker Running Back of the Week, Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award Player of the Week. He showed out in this game. He had 248 yards out of the Cowboys' total of 554. So, you know... Again, feed Ollie. I mean, I don't think that's too much, uh, too much of a stretch there. He's obviously the best player on the field. Nobody could take him down. He was running all over the place. He was catching passes all over the place. And nobody could stop him. That's the guy. And 29 carries I think is a little high. We don't want any injuries going on. But it's also not like he's taking any really big hits. I mean, he's himself not a small guy. You know, he can put a little bit of a hit on somebody. So, I don't know. Feed him. Feed Ollie. That's the dude you want. Other rushing stats, Jaden Nixon had seven carries, 46 yards. Uh, Brennan Presley had one carry, uh, six yards, and a touchdown. Uh, He had a good game as well. Uh, Receiving, Rashad Owens had nine catches for 112 yards. He had a really good game. Brennan Presley had eight catches for 79 yards. And a touchdown receiving. So Ollie Gordon has two touchdowns. Brennan Presley has two touchdowns. Brennan Presley also won the Paul Hornung Award honor roll uh, for this week. And then Alex Hale goes four of five, um, 15 points, obviously. And his longest kick was 42 yards. So he had a really good game and won the Lou Groza Star of the Week for the second week in a row. So the offense was clicking. The O-line blocked well, both rushing and passing. Uh, Again, Ollie Gordon looked good. The receivers looked good. We were sharing it around. I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six different guys with catches. Um, Yeah, it just it looked good. It was creative. It's what we've been asking for. This is the offense that everybody expected to see coming into the season and begs the question, where has this been? I mean, now Mike Gundy said it after the game. You know, he said after the after the South Alabama game, the coaches apologized to the players. 
They said they didn't get them in the spots that they needed to be in to succeed, and they had a lot of work to do from a coaching standpoint for the team to be successful. And it took them three games, but they, I think they figured it out. I mean, 554 yards of total offense, you run 79 plays. I mean, you averaged over seven yards a play for the first time in what seems like forever, and they got the job done. You, you can't really ask for more than that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, though, this is where I want to talk a little bit because in the first half, they were getting burnt deep. Jason Bean goes 23 of 34 for 410 yards passing. That is 12 yards per catch, five touchdowns. He did have the two interceptions. We'll get to those in a little bit. But five touchdowns through the air and 410 yards is not great. Not great at all. You look at their receivers, they had Fairchild with 95 yards, Skinner with 91 yards, Wilson with 86 yards, Arnold with 68 yards. Fairchild's long was 44 yards, Skinner's long was 49 yards, Wilson's long was 47 yards. Those are huge pass plays. Those are chunk plays that absolutely kill uh, a defense and kill the morale. And all of those came in the first half. And what it was, was Gundy told Nardo before the game, and he admitted this after the game, he told Nardo, I don't want them running the ball. And he succeeded. They ran for 90 yards. Devin Neal had... 13 carries for 66 yards. Hyshaw had eight carries for 24. Jason Bean had eight carries for two. They did not run the ball well, and this is a very good rushing team. They average 212 yards rushing a game. They rushed for almost 500 yards, it feels like, against UCF the game before this, but your defense is able to hold them to 90 yards rushing. And what it was is they were sinking down the safeties, and they had Trey Rucker and Kendall Daniels sunk down to help with the rushing. But what that did was opened our corners up to get beat deep. And it kind of exposed us a little bit. So in the second half, Nardo changes it up. He sets the safeties back, puts them back into coverage, puts Nick Martin into sort of a QB spy kind of thing, and then runs his Colin Oliver, do whatever the heck you think needs to be done, just get the play done. And... Their offense kind of sputters in the second half. They only scored seven points in the second half, and it was in the third quarter. So, I mean, the Cowboys ended up scoring 15 points unanswered to come back and win this game after being down 32-14. to 14. I'm sorry, 32-24. to 24. So, a great game. Again, finally, finally scored 30 points. You beat a ranked opponent. You, you can't ask for much more. And Nardo's adjustments of bringing the safeties back and putting him into, into coverage ended up getting you two interceptions that were huge. One of them at the goal line by Kendall Daniels that kind of keeps this from being, you know, a back-and-forth game in the second half. And then you had another one taped at the line and, and intercepted and run back pretty well. And then you had a fumble that Jason Bean had on fourth down that, they recovered, but it was fourth down, so it was a turnover on downs anyways. So you really win the turnover battle three-zip, and that's how you win games. You know, Mike Mike Gundy got his flack for kicking the, the field goal on fourth and one from inside the 15, but, I mean, he wasn't wrong. The defense held up, we got the ball back, and we went and scored. So while I think Gundy can be overly conservative at times... It's not always the wrong call. 
And there's some nuances to it that, that come from game feel. How's the defense playing this game? How's the offense playing this game? Do we feel like we can go get one yard? And while we were running all over the place, it wasn't in the trenches. It was mainly, you know, some outside bounces, you know, some tosses, things like that. So I didn't necessarily like the call at the time. I, I never really like kicking a field goal on fourth and one, but it probably wasn't the wrong call. So all in all, great game. A lot of hidden yards in this game. Uh, our return yards, our kick returns were uh, 61 yards, um, no punt returns. And then punting, um, West Paul had a good game. He had three punts for 121 yards. That's, you know, 40 yards a punt. And then their kick returns, they only had 58 yards. Um, and they uh, had two punts averaging 38 yards. So some hidden yards came up in this game. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of penalties for either team. They were kind of letting them play. Uh, and that, that's another thing I want to talk about. Lance Leipold, I like you. You seem like a good dude. You're a great coach. You've turned around a uh, program that was kind of in the gutters for a while. And for a while, I mean, like 20 years. But what are you doing after the game, man? Blaming the refs for not calling on offsides on Colin Oliver? I mean, I realize it's maybe a little bit of heat of the moment or whatever, but you had three turnovers. You didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter, and you gave up 15 unanswered to end the game. So while you may think you have a, a point to be made on that fourth down or whatever it was that Colin Oliver may have been offsides, I don't think he was, but, you know, call me biased. Own the loss, dude. All the flack that I give Mike Gundy, one piece of credit that I will give him is he doesn't go out there after a game and blame the refs, even if he does have a point. He owns it because he's the head coach, and that's his job is to own losses. Own the loss. Come on. But the Cowboys get the win, again, 39-32 uh, over a ranked opponent. It's a great weekend. Again, Boone Pickens was sold out. It was loud. It was crazy. Um, had a great time and always great to have a win. Oh, uh, Jason Bean, what are you doing, man? I mean, you're up 32-27. There's still two and a half minutes left in the third quarter. It's third and four, and he scrambles for a first down and runs over to the student section and tells him first down, B-word, and then proceeds to throw two interceptions and fumble the ball on fourth down and lose the game and not score another point. What are you doing, Jason Bean? Do you know where you play football? If there's one thing that Kansas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State have in common, we don't get to talk crap until there's zeros on the scoreboard and we've got more points than the other team. Because if history tells us anything, it's that we could very well lose that game. So as fans and as players, you would think that running up to uh, another student section and telling them first down B-word after scrambling for four yards uh, up five with an entire quarter left would probably be a bad idea. But he did it anyways and then proceeded to have three turnovers the rest of the game and zero points. Bad look. So L's for Jason Bean and Lance Leipold and a win for Gundy coming out and saying if Ollie Gordon's not National Player of the Week, uh, then who is? Because, honestly, 
he had an amazing week. So it should have been him, uh, but it's not, and that's fine. We will just keep doing our thing anyways. So in other news this week, uh, we did get confirmation that Shaq is back at the Big 12 basketball tournament this year. Uh, your mark said that they are already in early negotiations to extend the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Uh, some Utah fans thought that, that we should move it to Vegas. Uh, clearly, they don't know where uh, 90% of this conference resides, uh, and clearly they've never been to Kansas City because it's a pretty good time, and Vegas is farther west than any Big 12 team in the entire conference, including themselves. Uh, and if the Big 12 tournament was there, it would be the 10th most popular show in town that weekend. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. I like it in Kansas City. It was in Dallas for a little while, and that was fine, you know, but I, I like it in Kansas City. Uh, the nightlife around uh, the T-Mobile arena, arena there is uh, great. Um, so, yeah, got that going. So moving on to Pete's Picks and Projections. Um, games for this week, we've got Cincinnati hosting Baylor at 11 a.m. We've got OU hosting UCF also at 11 a.m. Obviously, West Virginia hosting OSU at 2.30. Houston hosting Texas at 3 o'clock. BYU hosting Texas Tech at 6 p.m. And Kansas State hosting TCU also at 6 p.m. Um, I'm going to save the West Virginia game, uh, the West Virginia OSU game for later, but we can go through the rest of them. Um, projected winners for this week. Uh, the numbers have Cincinnati winning 28-23. Uh, I've also got Cincinnati winning uh, for my pick. Uh, the numbers have OU winning 37-25 over UCF. I also have OU winning. The numbers have Houston winning 23, or I'm sorry, Houston losing uh, at home against Texas 23-33. I also have Texas winning that game. Uh, then the numbers have Texas Tech beating BYU in Provo. This is where I differ a little bit. I think BYU gets this win. Uh, again, numbers can't take into account the nuances of the game and texas tech is down to their third quarterback and boy did he struggle and if byu watched any film from the kansas state game that texas tech had um i would expect their quarterback to be running for a lot of yards and last game of the week we've got uh the numbers have kansas state beating tcu at home um and I also have Kansas State winning that game. The numbers have this really close. I wouldn't expect it to be that close, but I could be wrong. But Avery Johnson at quarterback for Kansas State looks like they've figured it out, and dude can put up some points. So uh, we will see on that one, but I've got Kansas State taking the win. On a bye this week, uh, Iowa State and Kansas, so we won't see them in action. But that's what I got for this week. I've got Cincinnati beating, BY, uh, beating Baylor at home. I've got OU beating UCF at home. I've got Texas beating Houston in Houston. BYU beating Texas Tech at home. And Kansas State beating TCU at home. Moving on to projections for the conference. So currently, the numbers still have the doomsday scenario alive. Obviously, OU 1, Texas 2. Uh, both of them at 12 and 0, 11 and 1, uh, 9-0, 8-1. And... It still holds true. OU still got the most passing yards per game, most points per game, fewest points allowed per game. It's a good 
formula for success, and it shows on the field. Uh, Texas leading in only one category, still at total yards allowed per game, just 323 uh, total yards allowed in a game. Kansas State still sitting at three, now tied with West Virginia. Um, Kansas State not leading in any stats, um, but really solid across the board. That's a good team, and uh, good to have the tiebreaker win over them. West Virginia also at three. Uh, They actually trail the Big 12 in passing yards per game, Um, but they're a pretty good rushing team, and their defense uh, is only giving up 22, almost 23 points a game right now, so uh, solid defense there. Kansas at five. Um, Numbers still have them really high. Again, it's a good team. Uh, very efficient offense. They're averaging 440 yards of offense a game, uh, 35 and a half, almost 36 points, and only giving up 27. So, uh, Texas Tech and Iowa State at six. Both of these teams are average across the board as far as numbers go. I would expect Texas Tech to start dropping a little bit again on the third quarterback. Now, Baron Morton comes back and he's healthy. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect this to change a whole lot, but if they're stuck with uh, Strong or Strom or whatever his name was, uh, I would expect that to drop a little bit. Uh, still has UCF at eight. Uh, again, this is a really good offense. They are averaging the most rushing yards in the Big 12 at 246 and the most total yards at 516. Uh, the problem is they give up a lot of rushing yards. I mean, they give up almost 200 rushing yards a game, uh, but... They've got the best pass defense in the Big 12, so maybe that evens out a little bit. But uh, still have UCF at 8. Uh, TCU at 9. Uh, this is currently the last projected bowl eligible team. Uh, again, average across the board, nothing crazy. Uh, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State now tied at 10, both 5 and 7, 3 and 6. Um, Cincinnati leading the conference and rushing yards allowed. Their rushing defense is stout, only giving up 104 yards a game. Uh, But the rest of their stats, pretty average. Uh, Oklahoma State sitting at 10 as well. The numbers don't like us. Our stats aren't great. Pretty average across the board. We're only averaging 26 points a game. We're giving up 25 points a game. We're averaging 390 yards a game on offense, and we're giving up 393. So... The numbers don't like us a whole lot, but proof's in the pudding, right? Uh, at 12, we've got BYU, also at 5-7, and seven, uh, but 2-7 and seven in conference. They have the worst rushing offense in the Big 12 and the worst total yards in the Big 12. Um, and then pretty average on defense. Houston and Baylor still at the bottom at 13-14. and 14. Uh, Again, both of them are the only two teams that are averaging less points per game than they're giving up. And it's a recipe for failure. Uh, Houston trailing the Big 12 in all defensive categories except rushing yards allowed per game. So, not great there. And Baylor's offense is still struggling uh, at only 22 points scored a game. So, that's what we've got. OU at 1, Texas at 2, Kansas State and West Virginia at 3, Kansas at 5, Tech and Iowa State at 6, UCF at 8, TCU at 9, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State at 10, BYU at 12, Houston at 13, and Baylor at 14. I would expect these to have a huge shakeup this week. So, again, if you look at the games that we've got going on, you've got BYU playing Tech, 
Those are two teams that are in very different spots right now. You've got OU playing UCF. Those are two teams that are in very different spots. Um, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, two teams in very different spots. So as those games shake out, those numbers change the averages and the uh, existing win totals change. Uh, I would expect to see a huge shakeup uh, for next week. So looking forward to that. Um, moving on to current Big 12 standings. This is crazy. Three weeks ago, we were coming off, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we were coming off a loss to Iowa State, the second loss in a row, and people were family or firmly pushing the, the uh, panic button, and for good reason. And two games later, we are sitting at tied for fourth, tied for third, depending on where you look, um, in the conference. So Oklahoma State sitting at 2-1 and one is tied with Kansas State and West Virginia, also at 2-1. and one. Texas is also at 2-1, and one, uh, but they don't have that non-conference loss, which factors in if there's no head-to-head matchup. So while Texas does play Kansas State, and I think West Virginia, they do not play us, so currently they would be ahead of us. Um, Iowa State, a team nobody was expecting, sitting at second in the conference right now at 3-1. and one. Again, that's only because Texas was on a bye last week and Iowa State hasn't had their bye, but who would have thought? Obviously, I think this is going to change. Iowa State on a bye, obviously their record's not going to change, but Texas playing Houston this week, uh, I would expect them to move to 3-1, and one, which then would put them in second and move Iowa State down. So, craziness right now. Um, at the bottom, you've got... Houston at 1-2 and two with a shocking win over West Virginia on a Hail Mary. Uh, shout out, Boogie. Should have stayed at Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor at 12, also 1-2. and two. And then UCF and Cincinnati both sitting at 0-3 in conference right now. Can't get that Big 12 win. Not looking good for them. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that we should get a refund at Barstool Big 12. But not a great start for, uh, for the newbies there. Um... Middle of the pack, TCU Tech. That's expected. Um, Kansas, again, expected. But the conference standings right now are, are wild. Uh, seeing Oklahoma State tied at third and then looking at the start of the season, I would not have expected that at all. But I digress. Uh, moving on to this week's matchup against West Virginia. So West Virginia comes into this game. Averaging 380, 381 uh, total yards a game. Uh, it's 185, 186 rushing yards a game, and only 195 passing yards a game. So, not a, a great offense, but obviously solid enough to win a lot of games. Uh, they're averaging 29 points a game, and uh, yeah, they've made it work so far. Defensively for West Virginia, uh, they are giving up 345 yards a game, 226 of those passing, uh, and only 119 rushing yards a game and 23 points. So Oklahoma State's got their work cut out for them this week. Um, if Ollie Gordon can get the, the ground game rocking again and maybe catch a couple passes, if we keep Brennan Presley involved in the offense and don't completely throw what was working out the window like Casey Dunn seems to like to do, 
um, you know, they're, they're, there's a really good a really good shot here. But we're going to have to rush the ball, um, and we're going to have to stop their rushing game. Um, their running back, uh, Donaldson, I think is his name. He is uh, got 103 carries for 414 yards and five touchdowns on the year. Um, dude's solid. He's got really good vision. Uh, he's hard to take down, but, you know, it is doable. Uh, Garrett Green coming into this game, he is 56 of 106 for 935 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. That's not, you know, some world-beating numbers or anything like that. I mean, Alan Bowman, who had to share snaps for the first three games, is 100 for 176 for 1,084 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. So, um, obviously, completion percentage there and uh, total yards higher for Bowman. But quarterback, I don't, I think is pretty even. Uh, running back, obviously, I'm going to give the, the nod to Ollie Gordon. The, the dude is unstoppable. He's got 26 less carries, uh, or 16 less carries. And over a hundred more yards than Donaldson, so I like uh, I like the running back comp uh, comparison there. But I don't know. This is going to be another close one. Obviously, every game that we play this year is going to be close, uh, except maybe one. But ESPN's matchup predictor is currently giving West Virginia a sixty-one point two percent chance of winning. They are a three and a half point favorite in Vegas. Uh, over under 49 and a half. I don't know. I'm looking at Oklahoma State's stats for the season, averaging 390 total yards of offense, 244 of those passing, uh, 147 of those on the ground, 26 points. So obviously we've got to score more points. We're going to have to score 30 again. If we want the defense to play aggressive and get the turnovers, they're also going to get beat. So our offense has got to be able to make up for when those mistakes may happen and then capitalize when the aggression on the defensive side of the ball works out. Uh, Defensively giving up uh, 393 yards, 250 of those in the air, 143 of those on the ground, and 25 points. So... Again, looking at the numbers, all of that shakes down to a three-point win for West Virginia. Uh, this has West Virginia rushing for 165 yards, 222 passing, uh, 387 total, and 27 points. And it has Oklahoma State rushing for 133, passing for 235, 368 total, and 24 points. So, again... I've got Oklahoma State winning this game. It'll be an upset, whatever. West Virginia's three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's not a huge upset, but they've won, what, six of the last seven? Four straight in Morgantown. I like Mike Gundy more than I like Neil Brown, and West Virginia just got beat by Houston. So watch that film. Whatever Houston was able to do, we should also be able to do. And go score 30 points, and I think you win. This is not a high-powered West Virginia offense. Dana Holgerson is no longer in West Virginia. They haven't had that offense since he left. So go score 30 points. Keep doing what you've been doing on defense. Do not drop the safeties to help on the run game because Garrett Green will throw it over your head. Get some turnovers. Bend but don't break. 
And let's go get a win in Morgantown. It's very doable. Every game left on the schedule is a winnable game. One of those, obviously a lot harder and not a great track record, but every game left on Oklahoma State's schedule is very winnable. And it's crazy that I'm sitting here after week seven. We've lost to Iowa State and South Alabama, and I'm sitting here telling you guys that it is not impossible that we go 10-2. and Now, I think that's a very long stretch, but it's definitely not impossible that we go 9-3. and That's not impossible at all. You lose to OU, big whoop. It sucks it's the last one. We're used to it at this point, right? But then you've got games against West Virginia, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU in Houston. There's not there's not a world beater left on that schedule. I mean, every single one of those games is very winnable, probably should be won. And if you do that and you take care of business and you do your job, that's 9 and 3. A season where starting everybody was ready to clean house and bring in a totally new program. We're sitting here a few weeks later saying Nine, nine and three is pretty possible. Now, I'm not going to put money on it yet. I wouldn't suggest you do that either. In fact, I don't ever bet on OSU. I never put money on Oklahoma State sports because uh, it's been burned too many times. But I've got Oklahoma State taking the win this weekend um, and rolling on. Coming back home for Cincinnati on homecoming. Night game again, 7 p.m. kick. That'll be fun. I hope everybody's there. But that's what I got. I've got Oklahoma State with the upset this weekend. Um, Hopefully everybody can tune in. Uh, If you like what you heard today or you want to see Pete's picks and projections, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete's Playbook. Uh, Give us a like. Give us a follow. Um, You can find the podcast on all podcast software or all podcast platforms. And, uh, again, give us, give us a follow there. Uh, share it with your friends, whatever. Find me on YouTube and tell me how dumb I am. I don't care. But uh, that's what I got. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, go Pokes and see ya.